welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. I now see my living amends to my wife and grown children in a new light. It comes from an old spiritual story I love. About a thousand years ago, in a small Chinese village, a young woman became pregnant. Her parents were merchants. They pressed her for who it was that got her pregnant. She named the young spiritual teacher who had recently come to their village. The parents went to the teacher and told him, It is an awful thing that you have done to our daughter. We will tell the others in the village and you will be disgraced. He looked at them and quietly said, I see. Months later, the merchant and his wife took the newborn baby to the young spiritual teacher and told him, here is, the, here is the baby. You must take care of it. He took the baby and quietly said, I see. Some months later, the daughter relented and confessed to the parents that it was their neighbor's son who had gotten her pregnant. So the parents went to the young spiritual teacher and told him, We are sorry. We have wronged you. We will take the baby back. So he handed them the baby and quietly said, I see. I tell that story often to the people who call me to help with their problems. And I say I see a lot in my own life. But recently I urged the sponsee to say I see more frequent, more frequently. When I was a writing teacher, I would bequeath my freshman uh, students a million periods to use in revising and improving their writing. So I told this guy, I bequeath you a million I sees. Please use them up as fast as you can. Later that day, I saw, saw I needed to take my own advice. So in my marriage and family life, I will spend the next ten years one day at a time with God's help and your help using up my ten million ICs that I bequeath to myself. What's more, I will... What's more, I will do another amendment. During that time, I will listen to my wife and agree with her. Only in a very rare case will I ever disagree with her. And there will have to be a very clear and urgent present danger before that will happen. What am I trying to be? Some henpecked wonder? No, henpecked husbands say yes out of fear. I'm saying I see and agreeing for a very different reason. First, I owe my wife a lifetime amend. But even more important, my self-will and ego needs to be whittled down, and I can't think of any better place to start than at home.
Bill Wilson says in the big book that we need an ego deflation at depth. What kind of big ego does it take to be the kind of person to try to steal another man's wife over and over again? And to do that even in the sacredness of another 12-step program. And worst of all, in doing that, to inflict the deepest hurt on my wife that it is possible to inflict in a marriage. So that monstrous big ego obviously needs plenty of deflation. It's like trying to get all the air out of one of those huge rubber tires on a big caterpillar earth mover. I came to this understanding from the service part of the program. For many years in another 12-step program than this one, I thought service meant working just in the program. Over recent years, I have come to see service in a much wider sense. I spent years listening to the set of six tapes of Chuck see from which a new pair of glasses was taken. Not too many years ago, I finally heard the words that Chuck chose as a title for this set of tapes. The tapes are titled, In All of Our Affairs. Chuck uh, Chuck's point is that we spend our lives in service by practicing these principles in all of our affairs. That means we live this program in our homes, in our families, in our work, and in our community. So service is picking up paper off the counter in the post office and putting it in the waste paper basket. Service is giving the right away to someone who wants it badly when doing so doesn't slow up the people behind it. Service is walking down a narrow aisle in the store so carefully and smoothly that it is easy for anyone to pass us. I see now that when I do service and no one knows of it, it breaks down the ego and lets some air out of that big tire. So service deflates the ego and self-will that got so hyperinflated from all that attention we gave it in our addiction. So I need to make these amends to my wife so quietly and unobtrusively that she doesn't notice what I'm doing. Anytime she gives me credit for something done, something I've done, it doesn't work for me because it doesn't cut down those egos because Jesse Goodboy has already got credit. I've come to see that living with my sexual addiction is like living with a 300-pound man-eating gorilla. I can be completely safe with that gorilla if I practice this program that in its short form says, I can't, God can, so let him. All I need is an acute awareness of my powerlessness. The instant the gorilla shows up, I call for help. My son was here with me last night in the first part of this morning and he was puzzled somewhat by the sexual addiction. 
and he's, he'd been in another program, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and he said, Dad, it's been years since I wanted to drink. And I said, well, our program is different than AA. I said, because we have to live in society, we find alcohol in our mouths, and we have to spit it out. And he was kind of struck by that. He said, yeah, I see. That would be hard. And a good example of I see of what I see is in Phoenix, where there's been an SA program there for 12 years, and yet there's only a couple of people with long-term sobriety for all that 12 years. I've never heard of anything like that happening with AA. And so that there is something harder about this program. That's not to be feel sorry for myself or any of us. It's a, it, it, but to me, it is a difference. This magical land I'm describing is not some special place that only me or only a few have seen. I see people here who are there too. They just don't know it yet. If I took, if I ask them how they are doing, they say pretty well. I ask what troubles they are having and they tell me, uh, what raving sexaholics they are and how hard it is for them to put it down. What I'm saying here is that's it. That's paradise. Paradise isn't not having problems and not go doing wrong. Paradise is being comfortable with our humanity and the fact that there is no human problem we can face that we can't solve with our 12 steps and with our willingness and with this fellowship. All of the great spiritual teachers have been weak and finally got tough. Or they didn't, they finally got to where they didn't let, okay, all the great spiritual teachers have been very weak, but then they, they saw that with God's help they had all the power they needed. So there isn't anything to me better than that. And there are many people here who are in that position today who know they're powerless over lust and are instantly ready to call for help. And to me, that's all there is. The rest is, is just a continuation of that. Our own Bill W. in the 12 Steps faced two terrors. One was his recurring bouts of depression. Two was the fact he was taking royalties on the big book, uh, where only the non-alcoholic board knew about it. And furthermore, a part of those royalties went to his mistress, a woman in the AA office. And that's not to scandalize Bill. That's simply to me to make the point that he, he was a human being and he didn't let his humanity keep him from being probably one of the greatest uh, spiritual innovators of our time. I think we all are perfect in that we are perfectly human. So we are as perfect as we can be and we are perfect as we recognize our powerlessness and go for help instantly where we need it. We pull the weeds, but God makes the crops grow. I think it's very hard for us to, to see that distinction between that. It's like the story of the lady that pulled up beside this 
beautiful farm and the farmer was standing there and she said, man, you've got a beautiful farm. God has sure been kind to you, hasn't he? And he said, yeah, God has sure been kind to me, but you should have seen this place and God had it all by himself. So we can't make the crops grow, but God can't pull the weed. I see a big group of people in the 12-step programs who I never hear talk about doing any work, where I never hear them talk about God doing any work for them. These people tell about the work they are doing on themselves, but they have very little awareness of the fact that this is a totally spiritual program. And like I say, the shortest form of the 12 steps is I can't, God can, so let him. And yet a bunch of people in this program and in AA and other things are driving people in these 12-step programs nuts because their talk is almost totally focused on what, on how they are going about doing all of the work or doing, they and their therapists are doing all the work and you never hear a single word of God. And people are wondering what they can do about this and the answer is very simple, is the answer is nothing. Because we have to just wait. Because our program says we will listen to anybody. But my old sponsor spent five years in this program doing the just the first and the twelfth step. You know, the old two-stepper. It wasn't until he was, Vince was five years into sobriety that he said, I want long-term sobriety. What does it take? And the twelve apostles told him, Vince, you got to get the God part. Well, Jesse said, I went out and started getting the God part. And the further along I've gone, I've found that there ain't no other part. So it's like the woman uh, in the kimono. Uh, two spiritual men were walking down a muddy village in China about a thousand years ago. And there was a woman in a beautiful kimono, obviously, wanting to get across to the other side. And so one monk went and picked her up and carried her across the street and set her down on the other side and they walked on in silence for about an hour and finally the second monk said, say, say about that beautiful woman. We monks aren't supposed to go near beautiful women, say nothing, and pick one up and carry her across the street. And the first monk said, are you still carrying her? He said, I put her down in the marketplace an hour ago. And to me that is the other part of this program is the speed with which we put things down. I had a beautiful chance to practice that day before yesterday when they told me that I had just lost the vision in my left eye. Uh, the vein, the main vein in the retina uh, clogged and uh, so the whole uh, artery system blew up and uh, it's just all red and I can't see anything. And the eye doctor says there's nothing we can do and he gave me a book on how to see out of one eye how to live life with just one eye. So uh, a friend of ours heard about it later on in the evening, uh, the wife of a friend of mine, and she called and said, how are you doing with this, Jess? Well, I said, I'm studying that book. And she said, well, I, that's kind of what I expect of you. And it, to me, it is that thing that we learn here, which is, yeah, we can come here and whine a lot, but people get tired of it awful quick. And uh, all we're perpetuating for the problem for is primarily ourselves and so to me we have to have to be able to put these things down that doesn't mean we can't take action I got a second opinion the next morning and the guy said there might be some things that, that can be done so we need to wait a few weeks and it could heal itself but until the swelling goes down 
So I have to do what I have to do as fast as I can and then put it down and not upset. Because of uh, uh, the consequences of heart surgery some time ago, I'm not able to uh, look at you and talk. I have to write things out and I know that's awkward. It's awkward for me and I'm sure it's somewhat awkward for you, but that's the best way I can do it. And I don't know whether what I've had to say makes much sense to you, but it sure has been a big help to me and uh, I appreciate the chance that you've given me of putting it out there. And I want to say that I can more than ever before say that I now love you all because I know who you are, even if you don't. So thank you very much. I love you. Goodbye. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.